Special Operation Forces are training with Ukrainians in Europe, but what are they training for? You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Prez. Monica, happy pronoun day. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks you very much. Thank you. <laughs> or they. Or Z. Thank they. Thanks you. I'm telling you that they pronoun is going to be confusing it's for a lot of people. It's driving me nuts. I'm seeing it everywhere. It's on signs. It's like, oh, all individuals are entitled to their space. This was like at a gym I was at, like the YMCA or something. And uh, it was like they are to be respected. It's like, no, it's not they. Then just restructure the rest of the sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like don't make it an individual thing. Well – they're going to have to overhaul grammar here in a few years if we keep changing things up like this because I, I, I know older generations or people who aren't in school are going to be really confused. I don't know how they're teaching this in schools. I'd be interested That's in knowing that. Point. My son goes to – like this is an accident. I'm so stupid. I didn't realize like private schools had different reputations for their kind of politics. So he goes to like the super, super, super liberal school, and it's too late to turn back now plus he can handle it but <laughs> i wonder how they do that because it's a really good school they really care about education how do they i mean they on their like eighth grade graduation they had they said well you can choose between wearing a suit or wearing a dress and like they kept saying so if he or she chooses to wear a suit or a dress and one of the parents like was foreign she raised her hand, like, what are what are you talking about <laughs> it's just like how – who wears the – what? And the guy, the guy was like, we're just trying not to be binary, like which did not – Didn't clarify, clarify anything at all. <laughs> exactly. So how they are non-binary in English – it's not even binary. It's like it's, – it's not zeros and ones. It's ones and twos. It's not – you know what I mean? It's not he or she. It's he or they. It's a numbers question. I noticed some people talking on Facebook – Referring to a white guy as a cis, as a typical cisgender white man, right? He, the guy had done something wrong, I guess. And I'm like, what? I know what cisgender is because I've heard it mm -hmm. long enough. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't refer to myself as cisgender. Cisgender you just... means your pronoun matches your orientation or your physiology. I guess I don't know it specific enough to answer <laughs> that question because I, I don't it's know. It's really hard. I just know that I am referred to as a cisgender, and I didn't accept that label. Nobody but you don't asked have to be me. straight to be cisgender. What, what I want to refuse the label, though. I don't want to own. I mean, this is you can't just give me a new word. Yeah, but you you define by choosing your own by choosing a pronoun, you get that label or you don't, and you can't control it. So if I choose not to choose a pronoun, I get right. the pronoun endowed upon me by. Progressives is what it appears. Yes. And actually, I just discovered uh, in one of the Quora things a new gender. It's called demisexual. Do you know what that is? It's people who identify as demi more. That is on the spectrum. That is true. But no, that isn't what they call that. They call – I don't know what they call that, but they call demisexual is when you're not – it's it's basically you don't like to have cheap sex. You only like to have meaningful sex. So hmm. basically, as far as I – maybe things are different 
I don't really believe it. They say things are different where, like, chicks are into cheap sex and they don't care. I don't believe that. I just, it's too primal. It's too lizardy to, chicks need a dude to pay for them and protect them when they're pregnant. So, like, there is a lizard in there in your brain saying, if you have sex with this guy, it has to be someone you can put in front of the cave for a while, you know, who will stay there for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, birth control is supposed to disconnect that love and sex. Yeah. Because the love is for the protection, right? Am I not making yeah, sense? Yeah, so birth control, demisexuals should not exist since we have birth control. That's I, I think that's what we're led to believe. So I know someone who, a young person who's, like fits that definition of demisexual. And I said, oh, I know what that is. You're demisexual. And she said, no, I'm just straight. And I was like, but you, but you, you know, you're not a cheap data. She was like, I just, I think it's, I don't want to be, you know, labeled on the gender spectrum. I'm like, it's just normal. <laughs> you know? That's just normal. Yeah. It might be kind of an insult if someone says, no, I'm sorry, I can't sleep with you. I'm a demisexual. And yeah, I mean, it makes be... it, 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 it actually stigmatized. This label made it feel stigmatizing. It's kind of like Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, the way that they try to pigeonhole people into parties yeah. rigidly and then blanket generalize based on that. Kind of doing the same thing when it comes to sexes, it feels like. Oh, anyway. that is so interesting. That is really interesting because when I look at Republicans, especially when it becomes a cult of personality like with Trump, you, I try to point out to people like everything you stand for, he doesn't even – it's not even part of his – he doesn't really even have an ideology. That's why we have this crazy debt. I really don't know what's happening with the wars, but you take the label and people are allowed to throw things in that bucket if they have authority over the label that you don't want to be a part of maybe. Like why do – I knew a guy in school who was – I knew a couple of gay guys when I was in graduate school, and one of them like could have gone either way, he said, like he could have kind of chosen, and the other guy was like, chicks just i love you i want to be friends with you but touching you would make me puke I'm like okay like it's just like he was like whatever further along the spectrum but he was a republican and yeah. he tried to make it you know try to stick with that but he was so ostracized in the gay community that he just converted to democrat Oh, that's interesting. Years later, he was just, he was like, oh, I can't believe I was under that delusion for so long. Like, I just, I'm so ashamed. And I was like, dude, you were like a hardworking guy who wanted to keep his uh, money. Like, I just. Of what, being a Republican? Yes, he was ashamed of his Republican. He was a, a closet Republican. That's interesting that he was ostracized by yes. the gay community and not by the conservative or Republican oh, community. Oh, right. No. No. You know, have you ever heard of sapiosexual? Have we talked about this one before? Well, does it mean you only like to have sex with humans? It means you only like to have sex with people who you are. It means you're only sexually attracted to intelligence is what it means. Really? That's what sapiosexual is. Wow. I think Again, it, I feel like that's just normal. 
Yeah. So what is uh, only wanting to have sex with humans? Homo sapiosexual, maybe? <laughs> 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 Homo sapia. I think it should be sapiosexual. Well, it's already got – it already has a def- – there's probably a lot. Hetero, we could probably homo sapiosexual? Do I? I think- I think it would be hetero, hetero homo, homo sapiosexual. sapiosexual. That's that's going to be a mouthful. Pretty soon we're going to have these really long, <laughs> drawn it. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do mouthful. <laughs> that's not going to work. All right. Well, we'll save the rest of the um, sexual identifications for another show. There's a long list of them as well. Today I want to play you some audio that's really interesting that is – about the training exercises that the military is doing, or the special operations forces are doing over in Europe with the Ukrainians. And the exercise is called Operation Saber Junction. And op- yeah, Operation Saber Junction is an exercise that features 5,400 participants from the U.S. and 15 other ally and partner nations, including. Bosnia, Bulgaria, Croatia, Georgia, Italy, Kosovo, Lithuania, Macedonia, Poland, Romania, Turkey, and Ukraine, and there was some forces from the UK as well. So a large number of ally forces are training with us, and the audio that we're going to be hearing is from the War College podcast, and the person who is going to be giving us the information is Marty Scovland Jr. He's a veteran first ranger of the first ranger battalion, and he has been covering these training forces going on in Europe where he says he witnessed the American special operations forces training alongside their European counterparts and that the threat that they are training for. What's the threat that you believe they're training for all these allied forces? I have to assume it's Russia. You got it. It's undecidedly (laughs) Russia, according to this military correspondent and he's going to give a little bit of that answer himself here and i'm playing this clip to kind of set the background of their strategy the type of approach they're training these military operations for and so i think when you talk about like okay what are they training for what are the things they're looking at it's it's okay we've got again you know a special operations-esque force from from russia coming in that's doing shaping operations trying to turn turn germans uh, against their allies and, and, you know, kind of establish footholds and then a conventional force rolling in behind them. How do we stop that? How do we prevent this from turning into World War III? How are we shaping the information operations? That was one of the very interesting parts about it. Okay, what he's saying there, he gives a little bit of background on that before, but it was too long to include, is he's saying that they're basing it off of what Russia did with Ukraine and that they sent in people to do shaping operations, quote, shaping operations, which is propaganda, which is mm-hmm. information warfare, right. plain clothes people to go talk to people in the communities and the towns and to lay the groundwork for a military invasion is what he says that they did in Ukraine. And what he's saying here, at least what I gather that he's saying here is that they're going to – they're training to do the same thing, to get the the propaganda forces in the plain shirts on the ground first to lay the groundwork for a military physical type of operation if it goes to that next. And then he goes on in this next clip to elaborate on the type of training operations that and simulations that they're doing. So they're doing a whole broad so – kind of like Vigilant Guard here in Georgia a few years ago. They have a whole variety of type of simulations and exercises that they're doing that he elaborates on here. They have an entire fake um... – 
intranet, I guess you would call it, but like a fake Twitter, a fake Facebook, um, that the military leaders were having to go on and kind of address, um, you know, do counter propaganda messaging and, and shape, shape the information operations, uh, you know, to kind of keep the locals, you know, on their side, basically. And I think when we, especially when you look at that through the light of, hey, how did the Arab Spring start? It started on Twitter. You know, how are Ukrainians and, and, and Russians alike communicating on the Ukraine front right now? It's WhatsApp, it's Twitter, it's Facebook. Um, they're even, the Russians are even, you know, doing targeting based off of, hey, if you're popping up on Facebook or Twitter at, at the wrong place, you're, you're probably going to get shelled on your location. So they're, they're kind of introducing all these very modern elements and, and the things that we see from Russia, even, you know, when you look at like election meddling and things like that of, hey, if you're going to fight this conventional near peer threat like Russia, uh, then you have to address the information space, the cyberspace, the social media space, because that can influence the fight just as much as the tanks on the ground or the soldiers on the battlefield. So while they do training operations, don't, don't move on until oh, I'm, I'm not. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead and no. comment. Yeah, uh, there's just so much. I know um, there's a lot there. <laughs> the this it reminds me of the U.S. Army War College thing that I was talking about. It's probably here somewhere. I forget the exact name, but we've talked about it before. Where it was in 2000, I believe, where he starts talking about how like the internet's just going to change everything because, like, as I synthesized that and the Cass Sunstein conspiracy theories thing document memo it was very clear it, it seemed to me oh and the court's article about the start of google when you put all these things together it looks to me very clear that they actually created the digital space in order for it to be the public square for it to be the political meeting place and yeah. he says like the arab spring started on twitter and i remember people at the time saying the Arab Spring could only have been started on Twitter. It could only, or Facebook or whatever, could only have been started the way it was just spontaneously emerging everywhere at once through social media. And I would say, as somebody who, I mean, I've been using Twitter for eight years. I've, I have a radio show that reaches tens of thousands of people every Saturday, also for eight years. And I have tens of thousands of tweets, original tweets from me. And nothing, I mean, one or two things have ever gone viral. And I come up with some good stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I come up with some interesting insights that people love. Like, just I get emails like, wow, that blew me away. But it's so hard to get things to like, yeah, yes, things do go viral. That's true. But for something like this, it, it, to hear, a person in a position of the ability to do it, talking about how they're training warriors to use that space for war purposes, and he actually refers to Arab Spring, this to me means that's that's what it's there for. That's what it's there for. It's that it's this connection between the digital space as it's virtual reality, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it, it doesn't have to even exist anymore. And frankly, 
all they really need to do, like their dreams would be answered, their prayers would be answered if everyone just stayed home all the time. And if they fought the wars in the virtual reality space, like if human beings, they were going to the pub and talking about liberty in augmented or virtual reality, it would completely get them out of the way. And these guys would take over the land because that's all they really want. And when I was reading how the misdemeanor arrests of black men particularly, but I think overall has plummeted recently, it was not clear what the reason was. It wasn't clear if misdemeanors, misdemeanors went down or just misdemeanor arrests or whatever. And one of the subjects, one of the possible explanations was that people are conducting their beefs digitally. Oh, wow. And I thought that may be true. It probably is true. And I believe it's a goal. They're to, just telling you to stay home. To keep people to stay home. That's interesting. Yeah. And they can even enslave you. Like the work that you do, if you're home and just doing it, doing digital work, like I just was watch. I saw like a, a work app, a work, a, you know, sign, I need a lead gen specialist, the chick says in this commercial. Lead generator. Lead generator. But she called it a lead gen specialist. That's yeah. what she typed in. And the guy virtually like gave her a little salute from his resume and she pressed go. And then you see him in his house doing all this stuff for her. And she's still sitting in the same place and it just pops up and like their sales numbers are going through the roof. So, this like, is the commercial? Yeah. So at no point, like you're just an extension of the computer at that point, you know, like, and it always gets to what is the point of this whole enslavement in the first place, you know, like, what do they really want? And I, and it's quite possible that we're the idiots for thinking that it is all digital. We're, we are being penned in digital space and they really just want the land and they're going to get it. Lindsey Graham was talking about taking back the land today, by the way, I, I, you said that, that made me think of no, Lindsey, what no, Lindsey Graham I was I saying earlier. I didn't hear that. And if you look at like that UN Habitat One and all the way, that's the very first UN thing about stuff like this from decades ago, all the way to sustainable development. The one theme that is always there is taking the land back. Yeah, Lindsey Graham was talking about how you shouldn't give up land that you took through blood and sacrifice in relation to Trump and the yeah, troops over in Syria. It's an international crime to keep land that you gained through a war of aggression. That's why I believe the UN has never accepted. I think Trump came out and said that he, is it that he recognized Israel's right to the Golan Heights maybe? I can't remember, but the UN does not recognize the land that Israel claims to have won in like the 1967 war, I think, because they say that the war was not justified. Uh, and I'm sure that's a matter of debate. I think they call it a preemptive war. And is that a real thing? You know, I don't know if that qualifies as a just war. But the point is, you don't just get to keep it because you want it. Yeah. The, the basics, the law of nations does require a yeah. basic justification for invading the land in the first place. Yeah. What are we, Vikings? Yeah. And, and Obama pulled something like that with Crimea. He kept referring... The, they'll, their definitions of what's just and unjust will change depending on the circumstance, which 
it does drive me crazy. And Obama used to say, Crimea does not have the right to have this referendum to join Russia because Ukraine has a right to territorial integrity, which is crazy. The Crimeans have a right to self-governance. I mean, you can't argue with that if you believe in the American Revolution. You just it just doesn't make sense. So territorial integrity is to me a, like a monarchical concept where you know this is my realm i have the right to collect the taxes here and that's that so i think i just but getting back to the digital thing if there is a grand scheme it, it and they want to like kind of make the useless eaters atrophy and go away virtual sex will do it you know get everybody to stay home in their cubicles and and nothing will happen but your mind, it's the matrix. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. mind needs to be occupied. Yeah. And they need to get you to work. So you're not going to feed them with your battery juice, but you are going to put your keystrokes in for them. Yeah. What, what I really found interesting about this clip is this guy, Marty, the military guy who's covering the training he talked about how Ukraine and Russia are basically at war right now, and we're there training alongside many Ukrainians. And uh, they see their training as something they're going to be using immediately because they're already in a conflict. And we're training. They make it clear that this is all about Russia during these next two clips and throughout this entire uh, podcast. And – this is 5,400 troops, 16 countries training for war with Russia, and he even mentions World War III at one point. I, think. I know. I heard it, that. And one of the major parts of the training, one of the staples of the training is a fake social media, a fake Facebook where they have officers train on how to spread propaganda. This is the part of the going in first to do the shaping operations. But, of course, they're doing it on the real stuff, too. Yeah, and this is my that's, point. That's the, and no, my, my, my greater point was that we talk a lot about – I know I always try to emphasize this, that they've been – the social scientists, the governments, the people in power have been training for psychological warfare for over 100 years doing testing, research and development psychology, trying to learn how to do it to manipulate the masses in a way that is outside the awareness of people. And they do it. I and mean, it, they the way do you it say very it, well. It yeah. sounds like they are not already doing it. They've been doing it this whole time. It's all field trials. Yeah. And, and this <laughs> this is a lot ha, has the general population. A lot of us sometimes it's easy to fall in the trap of thinking we can easily recognize propaganda and we can't be fooled. But I would ask people who jump to that conclusion if they have ever gone to a month-long training session with 16 different countries and 5,400 people to train how to spot fake news or propaganda on Facebook. Have, have, have we spent this much time training with these amount of resources? Tra they are far, far ahead of us in their training, and I think just knowing that they're doing this types of thing should make us resist the urge to be emotionally triggered and polarized by the things that we see. I'll tell you, if they... If they were smart, they would interact. I have I, – I'd like – I follow back. I I promote my Twitter account on my radio show, so I have a lot of followers, not because I'm 
viral, great, or anything, but I have a lot of followers, and I would not know a new follow. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I would not know. I don't really know all my followers. I follow a lot of people, and I don't know a lot of them either. But people could communicate with me, and they do, who I don't know, and it sounds funny. And I think they're trying uh, – something happened recently where I'm not sure if it was somebody trying to manipulate me or what, but there, I believe that there are occasions when – I am a target of like a trial balloon or a test of like a reaction. So they could take someone like me who goes out of her way to decipher fake news, to distinguish fake news from real news, you know, trolls from sincere people. And as if they could, you know, they have had a thousand different accounts. One person can have a lot of accounts and just push on me in different ways and really learn a lot from what I can see through and what I can't. And, and I'm kind of sophisticated because I do it all the time. That's like my job is yeah. to try to tell what's real and what isn't real. So for they could take that information and then use those techniques. That's why I try not to ever out a troll. Yeah. I like them to keep coming back at me under the same handle so that I don't have to, like, refigure it out every time I get a weird... Yeah, you don't want them to send somebody better. Or themselves, like, under a different name. Like, yeah. oh, she figured this one out, so now I know where to start with her because I just learned how I outed myself. Yeah, good point. So I try never to do that, but I'm just saying they could learn from me, from my reactions, how to deal with people who... It's not their job. It's their hobby. I mean, I'm just saying those trials are happening right now on Twitter with you absolutely, and, me, and everybody listening and they're, and they're really learning. And what, and one person I heard instant feedback and what, yes. And one person I heard from something you played, or I think it was something that I, I found myself where the guy said that a big part of maybe it was one of those guys that you played for us last time. A big part of what they're doing over there is is probing Russia's capacities and reactions. So Ukraine does have a war in two, I think it's just two of their provinces over on the edge with the eastern border with Russia, where they haven't given up yet. It's small. I don't know how significant it is to Ukraine, but it's possible they're keeping that going on purpose just to see what Russia's up to. I'm certain that you're probably right about that. And he elaborates. He just marvels over the social media training that they're doing in these next two clips. Let me see here. Well, let me oh, okay, add go one ahead. thing while you're uh, – look at that. The Most of the countries that you mentioned, I believe, are – former Warsaw Pact countries. So there were these countries between Europe and Russia that, like our NATO, as a kind of buffer unifying force against the, the Soviet Union, they were a kind of buffer against Europe. And when George H.W. Bush negotiated the fall of the Berlin Wall, basically, Gorbachev, I believe, and he or one of his guys said, look, I'll give it to you. I'll I'll get out. You can unify Germany. We'll just 
we'll let this whole thing collapse, but you can never put the Warsaw Pact countries into NATO. And they're all in NATO. Clinton brought them all in. Yeah. And, uh, but those are the buffer zones. I mean, that's very aggressive to be right up all those countries doing those exercises right up against the Russian border. Yeah, it seems like a World War Three lineup almost. Yeah, like they're they're all just standing on one side or other of the border. But so it could be a provocation, yeah. it could be whatever. But I feel like it's it's a it's I think it's information gathering primarily. And training. It is it is going to be the training yeah, yep. in the psychological warfare. Now, here he goes into further Interoperability detail. Interoperability for forces is a big thing. That's what I didn't like about – one of the many things I did not like about the proposed North American Union. Interoperability. What does that mean? Interoperability so that – like what this said in the North American Union document by the CFR written by Weld, signed by Heidi Cruz. I've talked about it a lot of times in the context of immigration. But one of the provisions – is that they would practice interoperability of military and maybe even police on the borders between probably Canada and the U.S. But what alerted me, alarmed me was the Mexican-U.S. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. they want their military and their police and everything to be able to interoperate. And there, the issues with that is we don't all have the same laws and protocols – or rights and defenses. I mean, we do in the eyes of God, but not necessarily so. And then there's always the the other problem where the further you get away from comradeship, camaraderie in the community with the authority. So your local cop whose wife is your kid's teacher and brother is the pastor, like, you know, you, you know each other. That's like a small town, Georgia. But as you get to where there's a federalized police force or a police force or army that isn't doesn't even speak your language, isn't even from your country, you you lose the sense of being on the same team. And then it becomes hostile and dangerous. And I almost feel like they want to make sure that they always have people who, you know, the interoperability, I think, could morph into just swapping. Send the Americans to Mexico and send the Mexicans here, and then they'll have no compassion whatsoever or compunction against shooting people, you know, the zombies or whatever. Well, one of the lieutenants said that this exercise is about building friendships and relationships, teaching each other lessons about how military works and expanding from theirs. And they talked a lot in this podcast also about that very thing, interoperability. They didn't use that language, but but they did talk about the relationships and – But that's like the – international yeah. brotherhood of cops like as that gets stronger we get more of this us or them mentality shoot first ask questions later the big thing that came out of fort worth that guy uh it's you know you can't really see it from the video but supposedly shot a woman through the window in her own house she's black he was white and it's getting that racial angle but one that was very very disturbing that nobody cared about in Georgia, William David Powell was shot by cops and, uh, and, and he was defending his own home from a wrong address call. And for me, like the message it's sending is that I wonder if there is a, is a protocol out there that, that just says, if you see a gun, shoot the guy. And that will trickle down to the population to where they will no longer want to risk self-defense and they'll start not having 
their arms because they're just afraid a cop is going to come kill them if they see it. So I feel like as as the military or the police or whatever become this like supranational team and they just think of themselves as the army of the elite, you know, taking marching orders that transcend any kind of national unity, I feel, I mean, I just, I just worry that, that our protections, which are the best ones, you know, they, they, like the North American Union thing, they said that they would make the laws the most restrictive. So they would want all the laws to be the same from Canada to Mexico, but the environmental laws and the labor laws wouldn't be the most liberal, like capital L, liberal, liberated, libertarian, like ours, they would be the least, they would be the most restrictive. So I really don't mind if there's no nation states. I'm in favor of that as an anarcho-capitalist, but not if there's a super state with the most restrictive laws, the most authoritarianism, the most totalitarianism. That is what I worry about with this stuff. Yeah, and we hear a lot of talk over here about preparing for the certain election interference and impeaching for foreign election interference because Trump – allegedly went out and tried to get a foreign country to help us help him with his election and yet here we have an entire training session with 16 countries 5400 people training to do interference maybe not in elections but to use the same approaches that they say are just evil and horrible that is being used on us well that's Stacey Abrams internship at Yukos Oil, which was a Kissinger operation, had uh, it, there was a lot of stuff on their website about how they're going in to teach the children about civics and everything in Russia. Oh, so, geez. I mean, that that is interfering in the politics of that country. And, and that article, that uh, action thing from between EU and you in Ukraine, it was like 500 points I tweeted yesterday of I mean, how they want to go in and change the the way local governments work, the way they propagandize their population for health. I mean, there were 500 items of how to make Ukraine EU. I mean, that's not interfering with another country. And they ran the democratically elected president out of town. Yeah. Okay, so he continues to elaborate on the detail of the propaganda training, which is what this is. In this clip, and this to me sounds like what the Committee on Public Information, the first large-scale organized propaganda organization for the United States, which helped get us from neutral into craving World War One, that Edward Bernays and Walter Lippmann were part of. It sounds like the digital verg- version. I was about to say the digital virgin. I don't. I don't know what that hey, is. Man, there are going to be. You know, heaven is full of an infinite number of digital virgins. There's going to be nothing but digital virgins in heaven when when you die. (laughs) It is that you've really really, uh, stumbled onto something. I think the digital virgin virgin. is going to be the the carrot on the stick in the future. Well, and also another interpretation of that could be the digital virgin is the one the government does not want to exist because it could be – People who refuse to go online, who've never been online. They're off wow. the Wow, yeah, like people who are born without the hole in their neck for the Matrix. Yeah, the digital virgin I wonder, could must you 
opt to be a digital virgin? Could you like re-virginate in the digital? No, it's, no. It, once it's done, it's done. I'm sorry. <laughs> could you be a digital virgin? You could be a born once? again. You could be a born again digital virgin. <laughs> Come on, don't you get to do at least the first time? Yes, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's the digital version of the committee on public. Committee on Public Information Propaganda Campaign, the modernized version of the World War I United States Propaganda Organization. This is what it sounds like to me anyway. They're tactics. What does that look like? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, I think that's just absolutely fascinating, this kind of propaganda war that happens online. Yeah. Um, so, for example, one of the days that I went in to uh, take kind of a peek behind the curtain with the planning cell there – the, it's the special operations planning uh, cell that they have uh, local at Honefells that sets up a lot of these uh, scenarios. And um, they showed me a video where the commander of the 173rd kind of had to go on social media on video and address the locals of like, hey, we're coming here to support you. Uh, do not side, you know, you know, basically this plea to not side with the Russians. And, um, of course, he didn't say Russia, but they have, like, a notional name there. But you know, everybody knows what we're talking about here, right? Um, and uh, and so he kind of did this plea there. And then you show, like, the lower-level leaders, you know, putting out basically, like, good news stories of, of you know, delivering uh, MREs to villages that have been cut off by the fight and, and stuff like that. It's It was really interesting of that, you know, there's definitely, I think, a lot of, a lot of learning curve there, especially for leaders who didn't grow up with the social media environment, who are now in charge of brigades and, and divisions and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, it was definitely a part of the scenarios. Uh, it wasn't something that you could ignore. You had to, if you were a leader, um, you know, outside of the very most basic tactical level, you were aware of the information uh, threat and the propaganda threat. Newspapers, stories, training, and going to say, hey, don't listen to Russia. Listen to us. Begging. He said begging. Please. I'm pleading with you. Don't make me get my gun out. I mean, don't make I me. I wonder how they're doing it in foreign languages. I wonder how subtle it That's is. That's a good question. I mean, it's clearly not going to be what they call white propaganda. It's not going to be, hey, I'm a U.S. Army colonel, and I want you to vote U.S. I doubt, you know, there's no way they're doing that. Here's the policies of our countries compared to the policies of Russia. Would like for you to think about it and decide who you'd like to side with. <laughs> so what? So wait, this is the U.S. Army College. Who are these guys again? This is different from what we heard last time, right? Yeah, this is the War College podcast, and the guy talking is a guy named Marty Scovlin Jr. and he is a veteran of the First Ranger Battalion, and he covers. He's been covering the military trainings going on over in Europe, so he's been. He's a journalist now. Former military guy, so basically he's a propagandist <laughs> for the military is what he is. Right. And, yeah, he's telling about his experiences over there watching the training and just seeing how elaborate – I mean he goes even further with how elaborate it is in this last clip. Uh, you, unless you have another comment on that, I'll go ahead and no, play this okay. one for you. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, they had a complete kind of intranet set up there and – fake social media sites that you could actually interact on and and the um the civilians on the battlefield that were there they were all posting like how well you did your information uh campaign would influence whether their the messages and the tweets that they were sending were um you know favorable or not favorable they even had you know media 
out there with Miles Gear on and, and everything like that, where they would, you know, come up and confront the checkpoints and try to ask questions. And, and there's a daily newspaper that gets put out that covers the news of the day. I mean, this is all they, they the, like it's the planning and the preparation that they put into putting this exercise on is so impressive to me. The fact that they're putting out an actual daily newspaper, that there's this, these, an, an entire internet set up, um, and that the op four has their cell phones that in their tweeting and sending Facebook messages. I mean, this is for a training exercise. I think that this is about as real as you can possibly make it in that aspect. Yeah, that's the I, one that actually is more like the World War One propaganda I thing digitally. It. Go ahead. That blew my mind. Yeah, go ahead. That's a good one. First of all, remember when you uncovered the training operation that was going on when the eighty the the segment of eighty five collapsed? Yes, the vigilant guard. Right, and we did a show on like on a weeknight on WSB while that was happening, which was lucky because we, of course, are like saying <laughs> WSB is like reporting on it. And we're just like, this is bull. I know. We don't believe <laughs> it. And my boss was like, that was awesome. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. He liked it. Um, but I had somebody call, a military guy call and said, <clears throat> you guys are... <clears throat> Uh, smoke and crack or whatever, tinfoil hats. We don't have time for these elaborate training exercises. And I always regretted not saying to him, oh, are you fighting an actual war right now? Like, what is it that you're doing if not preparing for the emergencies? And what better way is there to prepare for an emergency than to simulate an emergency? I mean, it was just, he was wrong. We could probably go back and listen to that and I could... Uh, it would be so obvious bull, but, but the fact that they're doing all this for not, for not for nothing, but like, I just heard Lindsey Graham say on that prank call, I was listening to it today. He said, the fake Turkish guy said to him, Hey man, we can't piss off Russia. And Lindsey Graham was like, don't worry about Russia. Russia is doing all it can just to stamp out fires in Syria. It can't even stay here that long. Like it's at the end of its resources. Like they're no threat. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Is that what you think? I mean, that's kind of what I think because yeah. they don't they're not they have no credit, right? So they can't go into debt because they went bankrupt once. So their debt to GDP is like under twenty percent. Ours is over a hundred percent. And they uh their their defense budget is low. So that's why I really don't believe that they're ahead of us in much. Although if they're actually you know, the cronyism here and all that is clearly absorbs, I would say, the vast majority of the defense budget. But uh the fact that they're doing all that there for those people when the prize, the prize is controlling the minds and gaining the mandate of the United States population. I mean, yeah. that's what these guys, I, I, the report from Iron Mountain is so instructive in so many ways, regardless of whether it was the literal truth, <laughs> like facts are facts, but truth is truth. It, it Say it's a metaphor. It doesn't matter. It reveals, even if you just thought it up in your own head, it's not about it being black and white on a piece of paper. But the way they talk about it is must be, to me, it looks exactly like how they think about it. We have a hierarchy here. We control the world as is, this world. And this world, unfortunately, is changing so that war 
it's hard to justify war as a real organizing force in the world because if everybody had nuclear weapons, there would be no more war, which is true. And that was Tesla's vision from the beginning as a super weapon that everybody could have. Nikola Tesla, not the oh, more modern yeah. Tesla. Not Elon Musk's not Elon Musk Tesla. company, no. Of course, he hijacks the name Tesla because that, whatever, neutralizes it exactly right. So he – so. So the report from Iron Mountain talks about how do you maintain the hierarchy without without war and and for me like the entire process since then since the sixties or nukes or whatever was this process of keeping the world in stasis like not progressing making sure that the structure of the world was still on the path they wanted it to be on when they first conceived of the UN or the League of Nations a hundred years ago, and that they do things like put Nicholas Tesla, you know, away, so that that stuff can't get out, so the world cannot just organically develop. And then, and then, so as part of that effort, so they take half of our money and then they leverage a hundred percent of the GDP on top of it. So they take half the t- and then on top of it. They have trillions of dollars that they use for one purpose, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't, I believe it's a pathocracy. They're not doing it for us. They could solve all the problems that they run on if, if they, as a unit, wanted to. So for him to be doing this stuff for some exercise on over there, I would say you could expect them to be putting 10,000 times that effort into controlling us and our viewpoint not for no other reason but that the what Americans perceive to be their opinion is the justification for the entire world order you hear people in other countries saying we and they mean the US i hear people from japan from canada from england they say we like all westerners think of the united states president as their president and like it's weird or whatever like that kind of a thing like they have a stake in our government because our government kind of runs the world it overly influences their government but as but because we have this touchstone of the bill of rights we have this panacea or or, um like a facade a patina of of like justice as this country of self-governance of democracy of um of objective human rights as long as we believe that and we're like well but this is the democratic process as long as we believe it and champion it and um validate it the world kind of i think accepts it accepts it and so they would put all of their efforts to the last penny in making sure that this illusion of self-governance in the united states is maintained by the population yeah and the get out to vote drives i know a lot yeah, of, a lot of people don't of like this but getting that engagement and yeah. that stake in the process is what makes people remain under that control and i know it's it's a double-edged sword but vladimir lenin talked about it frequently in his organizing books you must get as many people to vote as possible so that it justifies and validates the system of control that they have in place. Wow, yeah, because I I have thought that. I, I didn't 
I never heard you put it quite that way. I have thought of that before. I, I ask people that as a thought experiment all the time. When they talk about voting, I say, well, do you believe that any of these candidates, like these two candidates, anyone who might actually have a chance of winning, is really working for your interests or even what they perceive to be your interests or for what they perceive to be the interests of the American people? And invariably, or most of the time, people say, no, not really, but it's the less of two evils. And I say, what if we all stayed home? Yeah, we all I, yeah, yeah. and three people voted, and the person who won got two votes. Would you do what that guy said? You wouldn't. It would completely invalidate it. It is only validated because you have said, "I choose this. Yeah, I prefer this. Exactly. In my infinite wisdom. This person I choose to obey." Consent to his government. I asked my friends a very similar question about that. Yeah. If we all stayed at home. Then I'm I'm say I know it's not gonna happen, but hypothetically, if we all stayed at home, it takes away their power. All of their power is gone if everybody stayed at home. Why Why isn't Stacey Abrams calling for a voting strike? You're right. This this system is upside down and racist. I was listening to a YouTube video the other day, and the opening premise—I forget what the station was. The opening, the guy asks his interviews. The first thing he says is. It is my position that white supremacy is the reigning ideology in the world and that all policy is meant to suppress uh, people of color. And I, I understand where the guy was coming from. I get it. Like, I'm not – I uh, it, well, he wasn't just, like, pandering politically. Like, that's how he feels, and I believe it. I, I would like to tell him personally I am not on – you know, I'm, I'm one of the people – you know, I'm no friend of that hierarchy, and they're not going to save me because <laughs> I have lighter skin than this guy. But, <clears throat> but in that case, why work <clears throat> to maintain it? Why work to validate it? Why work to, I, I mean, to shore it up? I, I just, it's, why say that it's valid? Because that's what you're saying. If you're saying get out the vote, you're saying the existing regime the existing schema is valid yeah and it should really be a sign a telltale sign when someone proposes the possibility if you're in mixed company of liberals and conservatives and you propose the idea i know because i've done it a number of times the idea of what if none of us voted then that's the one time in the night that they will all agree to be against you (laughs) and tell you how stupid out of syria yeah exactly sick yeah (laughs) It's You're a, a sick, sick, dangerous, evil person. Yeah, it's the same propaganda talking points that I've, that I've been hearing since I'm a kid. Oh, well, you, you can't do that. If you do that, you have no right to say anything. It's your civic duty to vote. But give That's me a complete break. bull. It's bull. I have every right. I am not consenting. I'm consciously choosing not to vote. And that's just as much of a choice as anything else. And the but fact, but what you're saying is, I am not consenting, right, to this contract. That is not. Uh, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. Nothing. And they just I'm throw their you, hands up. They throw their hands up. It's, are you kidding They're me? You're disgusted. not going to vote. Yeah. What, what I said to somebody the other day, I was talking about this with. I said, if we think about it logically, we separate ourselves from. Uh, the emotional aspect of it as much as possible because when people are voting, they're 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 in a they're engaging in a fight that they feel like they're supposed to be part of. 
even though they don't have any idea what the group that they're throwing punches for, the leader of it, is going to do. They just – they say the things that they like, so they join their team to fight. And so I, I – oh, my God. My point just slipped right out of my head. <laughs> That's right. Well, let me say – it yeah, made go me ahead. think of a point, yeah. which is that how – how do how do you reconcile the people at the Stacy versus Stacy debate saying we don't follow rules anymore because rules don't work and having Stacy champion using the rules for to make this system great again? Yeah, I agree, and that is why. So I, was it ever great? For yeah, her? you know, like when was well, it great? What are we trying to get to? For her, it's been pretty great since she was a kid. I know. But this is part of the reason why I've started to come to the belief, and we've both talked about this, that if Trump wins, and I think he will, that Stacey Abrams will be the leader of that resistance, Absolutely, which is now yeah. going to operate. They're going to do yeah. what they have to do since the system didn't work for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just it's it's strange to me because it's very clear that there is a movement from the top. That is getting a lot of they they have a lot of influence, a lot of press where they are encouraging, especially young people to not follow rules. Yeah. And that's and then uh, uh, by the same token, if she wins, you know, if she gets what she wants voting wise, then she will proclaim the mandate. Yeah, exactly. You know, and she'll say that the mandate is valid. Yeah. So I would just argue that a valid position is that I have more sympathy for the, like, hardcore, you know, black power communists who say, like, this – the land was won by invading it uh, and slaughtering the people who lived here who – because they wouldn't capitulate. See, you couldn't enslave the Indians who lived in North America, but you could enslave the ones in South America. So the ones in North America got killed for that reason. And we brought slaves over. Not we. I had nothing to do with it. But slaves were brought over to create the nation. And I appreciate the ideology that they fed the people to fight the revolution and gave to them in the Articles of Confederation – I appreciate the ideology. The ideology was a limited hangout. So let's run with it. You know, it's like the Edward Snowden thing. I think it's a limited hangout. Putin isn't going to say he's fake. Putin's going to say, listen to that guy. He says you people suck. (laughs) You You know, run with the limited hangout. So for me, like we could all benefit from it. Everybody, the, the, the descendants of slaves, the, the indigenous people who are left, like, <clears throat> take take it take them at their word use it against them but from her position i don't think she takes that position i don't think she claims that it's a valid uh, system that could have an underlying fairness meaning equality of rights by individual that's not what she wants she wants to by any means necessary i guess but yeah. turn the tables using the same system i think that's the punchline that i I'm trying yes. to articulate. Yes, yes. She'll use the system if it works for her. When it doesn't, she'll lead a revolution. But she's but she's still using the system. She's using it. Her currently. revolution isn't going to end up in a right. different system. Her, she's using the system to make people believe that they are being suppressed and oppressed by the system 
to draw out more votes. So she can be installed at the top of the same system. Yeah, and even if she's she's not right. That's why she works for Kissinger. That's why she was in the State Department. The very act of doing this nationwide voter training, which is what this is. She's training people to do get-out-the-vote stuff and to basically – the same stuff that she did in Georgia. And the very act of doing that gives her power nationwide and installs her at the top as a leader. She was called the most influential African-American in the country by – like the New York Times or something like two weeks ago, and it's because of this organizing effort and her ability to organize the masses and the can power I, she's gained. Can I rattle off, because it's been a couple of years since I rattled off her internships, her yes, internships that she did as a youth. Starting, yeah. So she did that Telluride program in high school. Uh, she was She's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. She's a next-generation fellow of the American Assembly at Columbia University on U.S. global policy and the future of international institutions. This is a feeder program for the Department of Defense. The American Marshall Memorial, she's an American Marshall Memorial Fellow. The Marshall Plan, I believe, was the thing after World War II in Europe to rebuild Europe with American money. American Council of Young Political Leaders Fellow, that was in the Department's Department of State. A Council on Italy fellow, a British American Project fellow, which is defined by some as like the deep state, the you know the your your type of deep state, Binkley, or like the UK and the US meet in secret to control the world, a Salzburg Global Seminar Freeman fellow on U.S. East Asian relations, a Salzburg Global Seminar fellow on youth and civic engagement. A an Aspen Rodell Fellow, Hunt Keen Leadership Fellow, Harry S. Truman Scholar, that's very prestigious, and a UCOS Fellow for U.S. Russian Relations. And UCOS was a huge Russian oil company <laughs> riddled with scandal, by the way. This is my note to myself. Broken up for unpaid taxes. Uh her me yes. Oh yeah, and she was a tax advisor. Sounds like she had a terrible upbringing. And really rough childhood. Right. She didn't. Let me just tell you, I did not have all those. And I wanted it. Like, I didn't want those particular ones. But, like, I I wanted to change the, my, the story of my life from, you know, urchin to holes of power. I've since kind of realized that my father was right about all of it all along. And that's probably why... We were urchins because he was just like, I'm a truck driver. Sorry, I'm not. <laughs> I don't care how well you kids do on your SATs. I'm I'm not throwing you into that. I'm not letting you serve the uh, the dark forces. But that kind of, that I'm just pointing out, like that is not a chick who is looking to, to overthrow the system. Yeah, I thought you were going to stop it. That's not a chick. I'm glad you kept going. <laughs> I know. I remembered what I was going to say earlier. I thought you might. I remember yeah. about the – the voting thing and how like Linda Sarsour and them, when we listened to that women's March panel discussion thing where they were saying vote D straight down the ticket, we hear people say vote R straight down the ticket. People are encouraged to vote along those categories, along those categories that they are pigeonholed into. And then by the mere fact that they're pigeonholed into them and then it's turned into a, a two team fight, they start to take on, Start, you can start to manifest reality to to defer 
to the party the party lines, even if that's not what you might believe. It doesn't yes. matter. The other people will perceive you as believing that. So either way, it's that's how it works. It's it, the serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the serious stuff like that. Liberals are like, we need to get back into Syria. It's right. like, listen to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so when you vote straight ticket, you're voting for people undeniably that you've never heard of. Almost everyone who just votes straight ticket just to do yes. that, almost none of them have investigated You're and gotten letting, to know all these yeah. candidates. It's like when I was in Peru and the and everything was vote the pencil because right. people were illiterate. And that's my point when I when I talk to people who are so rabid about this that I'm like, don't you understand how <laughs> illogical it is to go in and vote for someone that's who you've never heard of, never seen, and know absolutely nothing about, and yet – you think it's my civic duty to do that? <laughs> right. To validate, to just get to get your brand It's your, on your civic butt? duty to vote for this stranger who you know absolutely nothing about, who history has proven that right. people who run for these positions from time to time end up being very terrible people that you're giving power to. That maybe, is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Maybe of. when you're 18, you choose and they like brand you on your left butt or your right butt. You get an R and an L. An R or D, or, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you get that forever. But the but it's like that's how I feel about sports. But at least sports, it's like your school or your town, and that's the way. Because you think that they care about you, you know what I mean. You think you're on the same team as the team of your school. Oh of gosh, no. You know, but there I mean, are but there are behind the scenes deals, and there's tons of like people throw games and stuff's fixed. Like you cannot count on that. But at least I understand that it's like red versus blue is really my town versus your town. Okay. I know that you're sensitive about that because of the way you were born. Yeah. I know you were born, born Georgia Tech Georgia fan. Tech fan is something. I know nobody would choose that suffering <laughs> ever. Sorry. Is the Braves the same? We can't say that about The Braves are the, almost more suffering than Tech. Just really? enough winning, but never actually. Just one time did they go all the way. What year At was that? At least a little bit. 1995. It's a long so time ago. In your lifetime? Yeah, I vaguely, I vaguely remember. You vaguely it. remember it? Yeah, because I, even when I try to remember it, I try to suppress it because I don't want to, I don't want to have any good feelings. It's like having it. a great wedding night and then like going through a horrible divorce. Like you're never going to look yeah, back. Yeah, I'm not going to look back at that wedding night and, and enjoy <laughs> that again. It only brings me more misery that it happened one time. <laughs> Because you could taste it. Yeah, now you know I now it. want it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's funny. <laughs> so that clip, I just want to kind of reiterate that he they're training people to create daily newspapers to do a whole fake social media. I mean, social media is fake in and of itself. That's kind of a oxymoron to call something that's fake, fake, double fake. I guess it's double fake. Because people are fake on social media, but now they're creating a simulated social media where they're interacting and doing all the propaganda campaigns. We have 16 countries, 5,400 troops, tra creating fake daily papers, fake social media, doing fake propaganda operations, going into fake towns with fake people, begging them, please don't believe Russia, stay with us, all in preparation for a war against Russia and whoever they're allied with. All of these things are going on leading up to the 2020 election, along with this going on that we don't hear about this stuff in the news. What we do hear about in the news is we hear about Giuliani's associates getting arrested and how the Giuliani associates 
that they were having get dirt on Biden in Ukraine somehow makes the Ukraine interference, Russian interference, and we're hearing about escalating tensions in China, and we're hearing about escalating tensions with Iran, depending on which week it is of the month. So we have all of these war themes going on and these propaganda and these interference themes going on, and we're also training our troops with 16 countries for a war. I don't know who we're going to be fighting against. I don't know if the access of evil is going to be Iran, Russia, and China or what, but there's something. We're building to a peak here. It seems like. I don't know how far away it is. Yeah. I the way I mean, when I was listening to that prank call of Lindsey Graham, like he really sounded I mean, it sounded like you could hear what he was going for. Like he wants the free trade agreement, he wanted the F thirty fives. It was definitely in his interests. Like he was on a mission. And I realize now how things are turning out. His mission was not necessarily like shoulder to shoulder with Trump's ideas or other competing interests. But he did say very casually, like, we just can't have Iran running Damascus. <clears throat> I mean, they are really like the thing against Iran. Like there's back back office stuff that happens with Iran also. And even I think the Iran-Contra thing, I think, involved like, Israel sending stuff to Iran. So, like, it isn't even as simple as as two sides in the Middle East. I just, I don't know what the, yeah, I mean, I, the more I look at this stuff, it does, it does feel like these conflicts, Iran, Russia, China, that they're on one side. And I, I don't know what the heck we're doing with China either. I yeah. mean, we're, we're really taking the gloves off. And I, I just. We're in the midst of. You mentioned – you spoke to this earlier. A massive worldwide social experiment when it comes to social media and the internet and the amount of propaganda that they're throwing at us and I'm sure everybody in the world is probably a new level of information that's ever been targeted at human beings. This this quickly paced, this amount of information, these different strategies of emotional – agitation that they're trying they are they've been building upon this for the past i mean for a long long time but it did not used to be this way before the internet propaganda was still massive they still had mass communications you could still reach the world you could still as edward bernays put it kind of whisper into the ear of the world uh from one place from a central location but now, now it's like they're inside the brains of the entire yeah. world and they're intending to i mean i'm convinced that the eyes and ears of our kids are being at best, recklessly sacrificed to electronics because absolutely all the more access to like closer and closer to your actual like gray matter. When we yeah we hear this stuff about this type of training that they're doing, it's not and like you said, it's not like they're just going to use this against Russia or against other countries. We already know that that's not the case. They're going to use it even if they even even if they have to accuse someone of being a russian who is an american they'll do that to justify using propaganda techniques against them i mean they're killing they're throwing soldiers out as tripwires yeah yeah That's yeah normal i think i have an idea about china though it's a possibility that china was set up by nixon and rockefeller and a lot of people to to grow and prosper and be successful and uh, i don't know if it was to do the thing that Rockefeller said, I think it was, who said, like, in order to get to control the whole world, you have to unite East and West. And in order to do that, 
you have to slow down the western cog and speed up the eastern cog or they can't like fit together like a you know engine and a transmission or whatever so that was my metaphor but <laughs> he analogy so uh so what might be happening i don't i think it's probably very hard to win over a completely foreign culture with a kind of millennial history that china has of not you know they they don't look up to the west you know it's not they had their own triumphs and uh superiority and they've been around for two thousand years yeah i'm sure more yeah. than that I, I assume i mean i know like the yes the writings and stuff they it's just they're not they're they, they we didn't give them a hand up out of nothingness and so we went over and we westernized them we gave them this opportunity you know the tools of defense stuff tech and everything and they brought a lot of the surrounding areas and their own backwoods out of the rice paddies and into the factories which serves a couple of purposes it creates more you know i hate to use the kind of communist nomenclature of slave labor but who knows if you could say psychologically manipulated economically manipulated workers at the same time that they open up the new market so that you just keep, you know, that kind of expansion is they're they're not going to stop. It reminds me of the paint company that says cover the earth and it just has thrown a can of paint over a globe. I'm just like, yeah, you're not getting that. That's what they're doing. They're not stopping until they've covered the earth. But now China sees that and they're doing like the 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 Silk Road and they're way into Africa and maybe there it's time to pull back on that like the internet you know the department of defense gave us the internet and how are they going to get it to stick by to catch on by giving us all this information and give us a dopamine and giving us connections and giving us you know this sense of stardom or whatever and now i mean you can just see the hammer come down on that i mean the surveillance started uh under obama and the censorship on february 14th 2018 the internet closed so that you can just see they gave it to us started the department of defense nobody even disputes that and then they shut it down and maybe that's what that's where we are with china possibly you know it's possible what i what i wonder about is whether or not they in the propaganda studies a lot they talk a lot about how in order to get a country ready for war that leading up to the war you unify them behind the purpose of going to war unless you're trying to destabilize that country then you divide them up so that they will lose the war i'm curious if they're going to continue to attempt to divide america leading up to a war which would mean subverting which i think would completely eliminate the democracy even the the shell of a democracy as we know it altogether, or if they're going to unite us, positioning us to be victors in a war. Well, yeah, it, it clear. I think seems clear to me that the divisiveness is coming down from the top, and that I, it could be that they are constructing a narrative that or preparing a narrative, preparing a legacy where. Like, you know how they say that we got into World War II because FDR wanted to get us out of the Depression and it worked. Yeah. Right? That's a that's a narrative that I don't buy. Uh, I think it's more likely that he kept us in Depression to justify going to war. Yeah, yeah. 
to make up a story. And I think it's possible that civil unrest will be used as a mildly sophisticated argument to justify war. So the FDR keeping us in depression to take us to war or using the depression to get us out of war isn't really something that you necessarily like feed to the masses, but you use it to write history in a plausible way. Yeah. And yeah, that, I see what you're saying. that could be what's happening in on one level. Right. And when you're doing it yeah. for a reason. And when you label half the country who doesn't agree with progressive values as being essentially Russians, then in a way, when you write history, you can say the country was united against the Russians. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I try to look at that sometimes, when you go back to World War II, World War I, or any war, you look back, or, or um, Lincoln, they'll call people who object to the war foreign agents. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's they've just always your, done that. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's, it's tautological. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, you were obviously Russian because you didn't support the war. Yeah. It's like, so, no, but I'm not. I just yeah. was thinking about it. <laughs> you know? All right, I know we got to wrap up. I want to read uh, the other types of exercises on top of the social media ones they're doing because a couple of them I think yeah, you'll find great. interesting. One of them is they are – this is called Wet Gap Crossing, and they are training – they are training troops on ambiguous or and not, not ambiguous amphibious yes amphibious vehicle training and I know that you brought up amphibious vehicles yes Jeffrey Allen Lash everybody look up Jeffrey Allen Lash the lizard guy the lizard guy I mean no he was an alien yeah and he had an amphibious that is the one story the only story that makes me really like really aliens. Okay. Yeah, maybe he test ran this. Uh, and, yes, he know. had legally registered guns and amphibious vehicles in California that cannot be legal. So they were registered. Jeffrey Allen Lash, keep going. Another training exercise that they're doing is that they evacuated a simulated U.S. embassy during Sabre Junction, the training operation. So evacuating the mm-hmm. U.S. embassy. Hmm. Wonder what? And this is wow. a, this is oh in my Europe. gosh. You have to remember these are what to watch out for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good thinking. Nice. A uh, third one is they conducted a massive air assault operation in Germany. Simulation operation. Oh, by the way. Hundreds of paratroopers. This thing, this Russia stuff is still, since World War One, still to this day, over 100 years. The, this Russia thing is about keeping Germany away from Russia. I, I he it, didn't Trump even say on that Zelensky call, Germany is not being kosher here. I think he might have. Yeah, it's all about Germany, the industrial powerhouse, oh. and Russia, the resource powerhouse. He talked in in this clip. I don't know if it's one of the ones I played you, one of the other ones I heard, but he was talking about the training being in Russia, part of it being in Ru- not Russia, part of it being in Germany, and saying, I think it might have played, I might have played that clip where he's saying, "We're telling the German people, don't believe the Russians, don't he, believe he the Russians." Definitely mentioned Germany, yeah. So they, it goes right to what you're saying. They specifically have are, are training yeah. to tell Germans. To, Trump says that all the time. Yeah. They talked all about the how the Russians are 
will send their their guys in there, their their shapers, their opinion shapers, propagandists in there to shape the narrative in Germany. And that part of the training is that we need to go in there and counter that narrative and tell the Germans don't believe the Russians, believe us. I mean, this is a repeat of what happened in World War One, just not using digital. Not see, we were digital we virgins want, back then, but now we're all digital we sluts. Want Germany to be our allies. I wonder how Brexit will play into that because then you can actually you have independent trade agreements and what lindsey graham was saying about turkey the free trade it was really interesting it was like the we need to have a free he calls it a free trade agreement i'm sure that's not what it is but we need to have a trade agreement with turkey and i mean he basically said then there will be no turning back <laughs> then we'll, we will be one we need to do something <laughs> that we can't turn back on. We will. You will be assimilated to the Borg. Well, I think that that's going to wrap it up. We'll have to. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, assimilating to the Borg, I think, is a good place to end. Okay. We can do the political campaigns and the political campaign deconstruction, the ads in the next one. Okay. Thank you for your time and thank everyone for listening. If you thank you, thank everybody who supports the show, who continues to support the show oh, in a yeah. variety I of ways. Say, Go ahead. Because of Drive Time News Blast, which takes so much time and effort. Some people have uh, stepped up and contributed, even though I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to use the time on that show to like say, oh, please contribute. But it's greatly appreciated. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, we're continuing to grow with that and uh, we're getting good feedback. So share the show. Please do contribute. It's very much appreciated. And uh, and hopefully we can keep the positivity going. Yes. And you can contribute via Patreon or PayPal or, it, it, any way that you have that you have in your resources, whether it's sharing the show, telling friends, telling your mom or dad, just helping us grow, or even posting some great articles and insights to the press pool at thepropreport dot com. Yeah, I I really appreciate that, and it keeps me informed. Yeah, so that's another yeah, thing. exactly. We get a lot of good stuff on Twitter and in the press pool that helps out. Like I get I get signaled to stories I hadn't found or videos I hadn't found. That's always very helpful. Thank you for that stuff. Continue doing it. We love it. And thank you, everybody, for listening again. We will talk to you all next time. Uh, you can find all of our links at thepropreport.com, the donate links, the share links, and the subscribe links. Talk to you later, Monica. Later. <laughs>